this week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we wrap up our adventure in Acts with shipwreck, events on Malta, Paul arrives in Rome, and Paul preaches the gospel in Rome, and then we dive back into Genesis with genealogy of Seth. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or on your favorite podcast provider.
from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you and ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. O Lord, have mercy on us. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. Send out your light and your truth, and let them lead me. Engaged in the apostolic ministry, St. Paul had this habit, unerringly, of paying for everything himself. Travel expenses, living expenses, self-support, and preaching and teaching the gospel entirely without pay, so that it could not be said by anyone, such as those haughty Corinthians, that salvation was in any way connected to what the believer did or said or thought in his or her own right. Paul desired to be the embodiment of Jesus doing it all by his all-availing death upon the cross and resurrection from the dead. And that even the faith one possesses as a Christian is not one's own doing, but to cite that well-worn phrase from Ephesians chapter 2, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
This is standard Pauline exegesis. When Onesimus stole from his master, then ran away, for example, the apostle provided what was in effect a blank check to Philemon that he would pay all of Onesimus's damages, bar none, even as Christ Jesus has paid for all our sins upon the cross, bar none. In our passage for today, Paul states that it wasn't that he didn't have the authority to eat bread at the Thessalonians' expense, but that he wanted to present himself and Silvanus and Timothy as an example for the Thessalonians to follow. Now, hyper-Lutherans such as ourselves often don't like it that the apostle presents himself sometimes as a model for his charges to follow. But let's not forget that pastors are models for their parishioners, parents for their children, and here at the seminary that we professors are supposed to be models for you students. This in spite of our obvious foibles and failings that you often become so aware of. But that's not the point of what should be developed today. In our passage for today, St. Paul has it, that there were some at Thessalonica that were walking atoktos, which Bedag suggests means in defiance of good order or even disorderly. The specific manner wherein the irresponsible behavior manifested itself is described in the context of today's passage. In light of the impending day of the Lord, or even that the day of the Lord had already come, there was considerable freeloading and sponging going on, say the lexicographers. The apostle had not done this when he had been among them, he stoutly points out to them. On the contrary, he had toiled night and day laboring that he and the apostolic entourage would not be a burden to any one of you. Paul mentions a directive, a tradition actually, that the disorderly had received from him. Now it's not stated here just what that directed consi directive consisted of, but I'll bet you dollars to donuts that it had something to do with the apostle's statement that those who are unwilling to work, neither let them eat. I've heard Dr. Gieschen preach on this statement a number of times before. It happens that his dad, who was a pastor in the Wisconsin Synod, used to bring it to Chuck's attention when he was a youth. It was also a passage that my grandma Brant, my mother's mother, used to trot out in the late 60s when hippies in the state of Oregon used to live off welfare and governmental largesse. Indeed, this is the only scriptural passage I can remember grandma bringing up. <laughs> if they're not willing to work, neither let them eat, she used to say. As I began to understand better the Lutheran gospel of justification by grace through faith, I remember thinking that Grandma Brandt was a bit of a legalist at least, or possibly didn't know the gospel at all. 
proud, hardworking, pioneer farm woman that she was. But possibly she did know the gospel after all, and it was I myself who was defective in my understanding. For Paul makes quite a bit of the, the warning against idleness in this passage. In verse 11, he says that these idlers are not busy, but are busy bodies, as the ESV puts it. In verse 12, he commands and encourages them to do their work quietly and earn their own living. Now, quietly makes one think of 1 Timothy 2.11, where the apostle teaches that a woman should learn in quietness and in full submission. So the two directives are presented at the same level textually. In verse 13, he calls the Thessalonians brothers and urges them not to weary in well-doing, a directive parallel to Galatians 6.9. In verse 14, he states that if someone will not obey what he states in this letter, they should take note of that person and have nothing to do with him so that he may be ashamed. And yet they are not to regard the idler as an enemy, but to admonish him as a brother. Verse 15, I take this to mean that Paul adapts his counsel to life within the body of Christ. Idleness is a sin that Christians are to be on the lookout for and thus repented of. But looming behind all these textual matters is the question, what form does the idleness take today, and how might this pertain to us nowadays? I submit that the question is answered by the nature of the community that a Christian is part of and one's specific place or vocation within that community. For example, no longer is it the case that Christians spread about the impending day of the Lord, as was the case in ancient Thessalonica. Oh no, I'm not so sure that can be maintained anymore, even though Paul wrote his directive some 2,000 years ago. For consider all the talk one hears nowadays about staring World War III into the face. Such talk cannot but help but inspire a fretful lassitude in most of us, the feeling, that, the feeling that things are such a mess, both internationally and domestically, that it doesn't matter what we Christians do. We are at best irrelevant, or more likely a menace in the greater society of which we are a part, or much nearer to home. Idleness spills over into the way we professors teach a class again and again, perhaps over a career of many years, or the way students approach said class. Do I really have to be in the classroom on time, or can I wander in several minutes late every single day? And then in class, do I really have to pay attention to what the professor wants me to do in processing the material? Or is it, quite frankly, in one ear and out the other? Then there's the daily quiz. I do a pretty good job with the endings, but I needn't sweat the accents or the breathing marks. Those are fine points, 
I'm not going to need when I become a pastor. It's just good enough to slide by. Cooperate and graduate is how it was put at the other seminary when I was a student there. You can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear, and I am most definitely a sow's ear. I have God to blame for making me lazy and rather average, not I myself, so I'll chug along somehow. Does any of this hit home, or are these simply my own sinful ramblings? They are, to be sure, my sinful ramblings, but I do think they hit home this October 27th in the year of our Lord, 2023. Paul writes in this passage and elsewhere, don't weary in well-doing, and you Thessalonians ought not regard such a one as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. And that is what is going on right here, right now, in the painful preaching of the law from the pulpit this Friday morning. But we, each and every one of us, were bought for a price. We are not our own. God the Father sent his Son, our dear Lord Jesus Christ, to suffer and die for each and every one of us. Then to rise from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So we don't have to go along with the world going to hell in a handbasket and complaining. But we can pray, praise, and give thanks. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much, St. James says. And goodness knows President Biden needs the prayers of our Missouri Synod pastors and congregations right now, just as the church has always prayed for the emperor, the king, or president, not just our carping criticisms. And as for lackluster studies, well, it is a great privilege just to be here at all, both for those who teach and those who learn. God frequently can do much good through otherwise quite modestly gifted students. Through his law brings us all to our knees to make us know that it's all God's doing and we are at best his humble servants. But there is forgiveness in Christ Jesus and so a new life for every one of us. We are to have faith and show courage, even though, as the psalmist says, the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake with their surging, Psalm 46. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And our Lord says at the end of Matthew's gospel that he shall be forever with his church, even to the end of the age, Matthew 28, 20. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of you, Jesus says in Matthew 18, 20. So, look around. Are there more than two or three gathered here today? Yes, there are. So there's hope. The word of the Lord grows. Plenty more to preach on in this vein, but I'm out of time and must leave something for you to expatiate upon when you become a pastor or deaconess in Christ's church.
which is sooner than you think. As for your sins of idleness and lethargy, repent and be forgiven. You have been baptized into the name of Jesus who died that you may live and be forgiven, and so you are. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
In our prayers, we give thanks to God for the birth of a son, Henry Joseph, to Sam and Isabel Shelton's. Let us pray. O God, the protector of all who trust in you, have mercy on us that with you as our ruler and guide we may so pass through things temporal that we lose not the things eternal. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Merciful Father, you enter the generations of mankind. This day we thank you for the birth of Henry Joseph. By the gracious working of your Holy Spirit, help him to grow in your nurture and admonition that he may bring glory to you and serve others in your name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with your mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by your governance, may be righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.